Second Chronicles chapter 29. And uh, the second place I'll have you mark is 1 Corinthians chapter 6. That's New Testament. Second Chronicles is in the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. How many of you are making New Year's resolutions? Some, uh, uh, did you read, have you read that dog's New Year's resolution? Have you seen that before? That one's so funny. I'm not a New Year's resolution guy, but I, I read this New Year's resolution. It's a dog's New Year's resolution. And he said, uh, I resolved this year not to chase the stick until I actually see it leave his hand. <laughs> I like that one. I thought that was good. Uh, we are going to be talking about a man in the Bible that makes a New Year's resolution and he keeps it. Just as many of us are going to make New Year's resolutions, stop smoking, eat better, go to the gym, pray more, read my Bible, more, all these things. Um, but it's the Lord that works in us, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I am weak. You know, I feel like the Apostle Paul sometimes. The things I know to do, those are the things I don't do. The things I, I know I shouldn't do, I do that. What a wretched man that I am. And when we make New Year's resolutions and we fail to keep them, we feel that way, oh, wretched man, wretched woman that I am. So here's what we're going to do this morning. And I don't know, maybe this will be too much of a challenge if it's something, you don't have to participate if you don't want to, but I'm just going to give us as a congregation the opportunity to pray for God's blessing in the new year. So we're just going to spend the next five, ten minutes, whatever it takes till, till those that want to have a chance to, to stand up and offer their blessing for the new year. Uh, again, no, you don't have to stand up and, and say anything. You can just pray quietly in your seat. But it's a chance to turn New Year's resolutions or, or hopes for blessing for the new year into prayer. So um, keep your prayer, you know, one sentence or two sentences, and we can just have a chance for all of us to, to pray and bring. Wouldn't that, isn't that the best way we could bring in the new year? By praying and asking God to do in our lives what he wants to do? We might say, the Lord, and hopefully your resolutions are godly resolutions. So let's just do, let's take the time now. Um, and if anybody wants to just stand and pray and bring in the new year with a blessing for this fellowship, for your family, uh, for the church in, around the world, then let's just do that now. Yes, and Father, I pray that you would cultivate uh, a growing love among us, Lord that the love in this fellowship would grow greater and greater through this year. Father, we do pray that, um, that your spirit would do amazing things this year in us, through us, using us, Lord, as we continue to consecrate ourselves to greater degrees to you, Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine, the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen, 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 amen. What a way to start the year. I love the end of the Lord's Prayer. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we're open there uh, to 
to Second Chronicles. Let me get there. I'm busy talking and not turning. Second Chronicles. Uh, many of you may know or may not know that the the book of the books of Samuel and and Kings and Chronicles are historical books. They outline the uh, the the history of the nations uh, uh, the nation of Israel. And we see in them uh, good examples, bad examples. All these things are for our learning, for us to learn from. It's amazing how we can see uh, attributes and traits in other people and say, wow, I, that's, that's an amazing attribute, or ooh, that's, that's not a good thing. And we see sometimes things clear in other people, then we can see them in our lives. And oftentimes we, we see them in another person and then we can recognize them better in ourselves. We condemn them in someone else or approve them in someone else, and then we can easily uh, then also condemn them in ourselves. So we're going to meet and talk about two men, particularly this morning. One man we'll focus on, his name is Hezekiah, and he was one of the kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. Uh, the other is his father, Ahaz. And, and for me, 2011, maybe for you as well, was the year of the stink bug. Did you, are, you, are you still having like stink bugs everywhere? Man, and Ahaz was a stink bug. And so prior to, to this year in, in, that we'll read about in Second Chronicles, it was the year and the, the reign of the stink bug, Ahaz. So y'all, you'll always remember Ahaz as the stink bug. Uh, he really, really was. He was a very ungodly man, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, before we get into this passage... I think by way of, of introduction, uh, how many of you know where we get the name for the month of January? You know where that comes from? The god Janus, which was a mythological god who was the god of doorways and of new beginnings. He was a two-faced god. He is pictured with two heads, or two faces really, not two heads, two faces. One face looking back and one face looking forward. And that's where uh, we get the name January, the beginning of the new year, one looking back, one face looking back into the past, one face peering off into the future. And so as we look at Ahaz and Hezekiah, we see Hezekiah come into being as the king, and he's got one face looking back at what his father had done, at the condition of his nation, but he has one face also looking forward into what it could be. And so the story of Hezekiah and Ahaz is a a perfect one, I think, to look at today for on on new year's day and and we're going to see that hezekiah really made a resolution and he kept it and i'm hoping that we can maybe figure something out from this passage for ourselves that there'll be something here that you can take away that will help you in the coming year so as we get into chapter 29 before we start reading there i want to just look back at chapter 28 which uh, begins in chapter 28 of 2 Chronicles, begins with verse 1 that talks about Ahaz. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. He reigned 16 years, and the first thing that's said about him is he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. So that's what Ahaz is known for. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse 3. He burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom and burned his children in the fire according to the abominations of the nations who the Lord has cast out before the children of Israel. They had a worship style, worshiping a god named Moloch. 
he would be worshipped by kindling a fire in a giant statue, uh, a man's body with a bull's head, and his outstretched arms would become red hot as they kindled uh, the fire in his belly. And that is where, to the beating of drums and the, the pounding uh, and making of noise, they would sacrifice their children to this God, to try to appease this God. That's what they believed was right. That's what they believed was good. God said, it's disgusting. But that's what Ahaz did. It wasn't God's way. It was the way of all these other pagan nations. And it was terrible. But that's what the king of Israel was doing. Or excuse, Well, the king of, of the southern kingdom here. The, the nation is split into two. That's another story for another time. So that's verse 3. Verse, look down at verse 19 of chapter 28. The Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. So under Ahaz, even the morality of the kingdom is diminishing. Why? They're not worshiping a moral God. We have a moral God. The commandments, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, a way to deal with and treat one another, the right way to live in accordance with what God says is right and wrong. And they had thrown that out. Look, through the Bible, we, we read about idols, worshiping idols. And to us, you know, if you lived in India or some other places, they, they literally have little statuettes and things that they worship and they, they sacrifice food and flowers and things to them. We not, are not familiar with that. So it's a little bit of a stretch for us to understand sometimes the worship of idols. But it's anything that you trust. Anything that you trust in your heart is an idol. And here's the problem. The, the word for idol, and, and this is... Uh, there's a passage in 2 Kings that talks about this, is empty or vain. You see, they were little statues. that They didn't have, uh, they had ears, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes. They were not alive. The Bible always talks about taking a, uh, you take a piece of wood and you cut it down. You cut a tree down. You cut it in half. You throw half in your fire to keep you warm. And the other half you carve into a God and you worship it. And what kind of sense does that make? See, we worship the living God. The living God. And so the word for idols also means vain, which means empty. And so God says to those, he says, you have worshipped or served idols and you have become idolaters. So let's put that with the other definition. You have worshipped emptiness and you have become what? Empty. You have worshipped emptiness and you have become empty. And so we see moral decline when people worship what is empty, what is fruitless, what is ungodly, they become empty, fruitless, and godless. And so as they were, they're, they're spiritual in Israel at this point. There's a lot of spirituality. They're worshiping. They're worshiping people. They're just not worshiping the living God. They're worshiping gods of fertility. They're worshiping uh, these other pagan gods. And it has led to, through Ahaz, increasing that, it has led to moral decline. Is there moral decline in our country? Absolutely. Why? Because we have closed the door on God. And so look what happens. This is the natural progression. Look down at verse 22. It says, in times of distress, he became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. 
So as if he wasn't unfaithful to the Lord enough, it got worse. You would think and hope that in times of distress, that might be the time when you're so low that you finally look up to God. But Ahaz kept looking to people to, to meet his needs. Is that you? Do, you? do you look to people to meet your needs because you won't look up to God? Well, that would, then you're like Ahaz. That's what Ahaz did. And then finally, the culmination where we pick up with Hezekiah will be in uh, chapter 28, verse 24. Ahaz gathered the articles of the house of God, cut in pieces the articles of the house of God, and shut up the doors of the house of the Lord. So he closed the door on God officially. It already happened in his heart. But then he did it nationally and corporately. He closed the doors on God. He shut God out. Our country. Do we live in a country that has shut God out? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, matter of fact, my wife and I were talking about the fact that we, we'd been doing some research on and, and watching some documentaries on India and, and how uh, it, it's not as difficult in places like that to lead a person to Christ because they already understand God uh, in some level. They already understand something outside of themselves. They have millions of gods, but they are worshipped. They are worshipers in that sense. And so just like Paul coming in and saying, I'm going to show you about the God you don't know in in the book of Acts, you can do that. In America, the difficulty is people don't believe in any God. That we don't even believe in the miraculous or the supernatural. We're so scientific. Everything's got to make sense. Everything's got to be reasonable. It's all got to be observable and tangible. And so we don't believe in spiritual things. We don't believe in supernatural. And we don't believe in God. And the Bible says a fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so we see moral decline. And I don't like it as much as you don't like it. And we see the doors closing to the houses of God. And maybe spirituality kind of becoming something else. And this is what Hezekiah stepped into. This is the world we live in, folks, this year. And, and I wonder what kind of world our kids are going to inherit. Look at the world, look at the nation that Hezekiah inherited. Verse 1 of chapter 29. Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old. And he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abiah, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. David continues to be a kind of a benchmark for the kings, isn't he? Uh, King David, you all know, or many of you know, what was beautiful about him wasn't that he was perfect. He wasn't, how many of you know David was not perfect? Far from it. But he was a man after God's own heart. Means he wanted what God wanted, even though he failed. I'd rather have that goal and fail at it than to not have that goal at all than to not have that heart at all. So that was David, and that was Hezekiah. He did what was right in the sight of who? The Lord. Just as David is the benchmark for the kings, the Lord is the benchmark for right and wrong. So many of us concerned with what our friends are going to think, what our coworkers are going to think, what our neighbors might think if they hear us singing praises in the living room. What are the neighbors going to think? He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. That's who we live to impress. That's who we live to please. To do what's right, not in the sight of our friends, 
unless they're godly friends, and then and they're encouraging us to godliness. How old is he? How old is Hezekiah when he takes over as king? He's 25. What do 25-year-old men do? What are 25-year-old men concerned with today? We, we have, we, and somebody said it, sex. You can say that. I mean, you know, it's, it's true. We, we live in, the, in this. See, for some reason, our culture, and I'm just picking on men today because I'm one and I can do that. I couldn't pick on the ladies. I'll let somebody else do that. But I'm sure ladies can, can uh, apply this to themselves too. Uh, the kids are failing to grow up. And 25-year-old men are still boys in a lot of ways. And concerned with video games and parties and entertainment and sports and all those things. And we've, come, we've sort of lowered the bar for 25-year-old men, for 18-year-old men, for 15-year-old men. And I just love to see Hezekiah. He takes over. He's 25 years old. And look at verse 3. In the first year of his reign... In the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. He undid what is... No, you would think, based on King, Hezekiah, or King Ahaz, his father, you would think, this guy's, you know, he's seen, Hezekiah has seen his brothers be sacrificed to pagan gods. He's seen the moral decline in his nation. He's seen the doors of the house of God closed. How could any, how could a godly kid come out of that? How could a godly kid come out of a house like that? <laughs> Thank you, Kay, from his mother. Yeah. That wasn't in my notes, but uh, from his mother, from possibly Isaiah the prophet and his influence as well. Uh, we don't know much about Abiah, but uh, uh, could be, could be. But look, you know, some of you have grown up in ungodly homes. You've grown up with abuse. You've grown up with discouragement. You've grown up with bitterness. You've grown up in a home where the door was closed on the Lord. We're not, we don't talk about that stuff. Matter of fact, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus in his home. We don't want to talk about church or God. And Your parents have been burned somehow or they've reflected on, you know, some of the abuses that they've seen, and so they just shut the door on God. And some of you grew up that way. And I want to encourage you that you can open what your parents shut. Even teenagers in here today, kids in here today. Maybe one parent or another, maybe it's grandparents that had shut the door on God. And I want to encourage you, look, you can open. You can reinitiate what had been lost in your past. And you should. 25 years old, he's, and he, so his first act as king, the first month of his, his reign, the first year of his reign, what's, he, he doesn't take an opinion poll to see what the people think they need. He doesn't, he, he doesn't get the military strengthened. He doesn't gather his cabinet and start to have a plan for the future. He doesn't begin campaigning under a banner of change. I don't, I'm, this is what we hear. I wasn't meant to be a joke. The first thing he did, he opened up the doors of the house of God because he knew that when the doors of the house of the Lord are open, the moral condition of the nation will change. 25 years old, verse four, 
Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square. It had been a long time since they had done this. And said to them, hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Cleanse yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord your God, your fathers. And carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Get rid of the garbage that has accumulated since the doors have been shut, since the temple's not been in use. Some garbage has accumulated, some unclean things, these statues, these idols, these other things that are worshipped. He says, take them out. Whose trash was it? Was it their trash? No, it was left over from their parents, from his father. And so many of you are carrying around garbage from your parents. And you're bitter about it. And, and, and you complain about it. You know, they could have, they could, he could have gathered the Levites. And, the, and he could have said, man, can you believe the condition of this temple? I mean, can you believe what they've done? Ha! Ah, that past generation. They were terrible. Man, that's just appalling what they've done. Let's go home. So they could have shown up, complained, but they didn't. Even though it wasn't their trash, they said, you know what, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to get rid of it. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's keeping you from worshiping God, whatever rubbish it is, the rubbish of other gods, you know, maybe it's the God of money. Maybe your, your family was all about money, saving money, spending money, looking the part. Maybe it was all outward for you. Maybe it was all about academics. Or maybe it was all about athletics and you worshiped the God, you had a the guy with the discus there in your living room, you know, and he's looking tough and athletic. And I'm not saying athletics are wrong. I'm not saying academics are wrong. But they are not to sustain your worship. And so you have, oh, carry those idols out. He says, carry that rubbish out. For our fathers, verse 6, have trespassed and done evil in the sight of the Lord or in the eyes of the Lord. They have forsaken him have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule. That's where fellowship took place in the porch, Solomon's porch. They put out the lamps and they have not burned incense or offered burnt offerings in the holy place of the God of Israel. All of these things that were part of worship had just kind of... They disappeared. They didn't have time for those things. We're worshiping other gods and doing other things. We don't have time to to gather together in the porch. We don't have time to get together with other believers because we've got athletic events to get to. We've got sporting things. We've got, we've got to study hard. We're, we're trying to make, my, 25 years old, trying to make our, my, my kingdom, trying to build my kingdom. And we neglect fellowship. And the light that you're supposed to be, you're not. Because the, the, your lamp has gone out. Has your lamp gone out? Has your, have you left your first love? Has... Ha, do, do people see something? Do you, you know, you meet a Christian person. Sometimes you meet someone who's really on fire for the Lord and you just go, man, there's just something special. You just see, like, it changes the way you look. It changes the way you, you behave. And there's like a, you know, I'm not going to use the word aura because that's a spiritualist word, but there's just a presence of God in that person's life. And the Bible says, look, you and me, we're supposed to be the light of the world. And you don't want to put that on under a bushel or under a basket. You put it so it can shine. But they weren't shut. The lamps were out. There was no prayer. There was no prayer. The, the incense, they weren't burning incense, and that's significant for prayer. That's the, that, the, the incense going up to heaven, being smelled and taken in by God, just like a prayer. We lift those up to heaven. There was no prayer. 
There was no fellowship. There was no light, no good deeds to glorify God. It's a pretty tough state that Hezekiah is accepting here and and receiving. Now look at verse 8. Therefore the wrath of the Lord fell upon upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he has given them up to trouble, to desolation, to jeering, as you have seen with your eyes. He just calls these priests, these Levites, us today here this morning, New Year's Day, 2012. It's going to take me a long time to remember to write that on my checks. Always does every year. And he's saying, look, please, you have seen the results of neglecting God with your own eyes. We see it. We look at our world and we complain. Oh, our nation is falling into this. No, this is the problem and that's the problem. But then we do the same thing ourselves. He says, look, folks, and I'm just pleading with you from the bottom of my heart. You have to not just live for today. You have to think, where does this lead? If I do this, where will it lead? If I, can, if I pour myself and my life, my resources into this thing, where do I come out? At the end, where does it lead me? And he says, look, you know, I know. The, Ro, Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. But now the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God hates sin because sin hurts people and God loves people. And so he says, look, folks, with your own eyes, you can see. Because so, I've... I've talked with a lot of people, and they've seen, and they're following. In the, I knew a girl, her name was Jamie, when I was growing up. Both her parents were alcoholic. And she had an older sister who got into drug abuse. And she went the opposite direction. She said, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to live my life differently. And she was very healthy. She never touched alcohol and all those things. She went the opposite direction. And Hezekiah had a choice, didn't he? He could have just done what dad did. But he chose to live differently. And I'm challenging you all this morning to choose to live differently. Maybe some of you, you need to live like your parents. Maybe you grew up in a godly home and that's a good thing. But maybe some of you need to be reminded that you don't want to follow in those footsteps. Today, you want a new beginning and a new ending. That's what he said. Look at the end of these things. You've seen it with your own eyes where this leads. For indeed, verse 9, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword and our sons and our daughters and our wives are in captivity. It affects the whole family, folks. What you do, where you worship, affects your whole family. Whether or not you do, uh, if you choose to, to give yourself to this thing, to that thing, it will affect, your whole family can become captive to it. Chasing that dream or chasing that glory. Now, verse 10, we see his resolution. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel. That's called a resolution. That his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. Who's the focus of this covenant? Him. Him. And you. And you focusing on him. He says, look, it's in my heart to make a covenant. This is my resolution. And it wasn't just in his heart because he did it. He ends up doing it. Because a lot of times you have something in your heart. That's what a resolution is. You say, well, in my heart, I really want to do this differently. But then it never becomes an action. 
He says, look, friends of Calvary Chapel, children of the Lord, don't be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you. He doesn't have a plan B, folks, to spread the gospel. He doesn't have a plan B to fill people other than his people with the Spirit. He says, don't be negligent now. Stand. He's chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. When you change diapers in the nursery, you are ministering to him. When you clean toilets in the bathroom, you're ministering to him. When you pull a trailer, you're ministering to him. To him, to him, to him. You're serving him. So the question is, Are you being negligent? Do you know that the Lord has chosen you to stand? Are you standing before him? Are you serving him? Well, keep pressing on here. Verse 12. Then these Levites arose, and there's a whole bunch of names there that I'm not going to read. Look down at verse 14. I'll show you one name I like, He-Man. I just like he That's one of the guys, He-Man. We need some more He-Men, don't we? To stand up and serve the Lord. Verse 15, and we're coming to to where you'll see why I chose this passage. Verse 15, they gathered their brethren, they sanctified themselves, meaning, and for them that meant that they went through all of the rituals that were connected with worship of the living God. Jesus said in, the, in, the, in his prayer in John 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How do we become sanctified now? Uh, and which just means set apart just by the word of God. By hearing and obeying the word of God. It makes us different. We look out at the world, oh, those people, they're so different. We're the different ones. We're strange. Do you know that? We do strange things. We don't go with the flow. Even a dead fish can flow with the stream. We don't go with the flow. We do things differently. We operate differently according to a whole different set of rules. So they sanctified themselves, and then they went according to the commandment of, of the king at whose at the words of the Lord, to cleanse the house of the Lord. And I love this passage right here. Then the priests went into the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it and brought out all the debris that they found in the temple of the Lord. They didn't just give it a superficial smartening up. It wasn't just a superficial cleaning. They went deep. They went into the inner part of the house of the Lord. Now, Steve, that's great and wonderful, but what does that have to do with me? Well, the things that are uh, concrete and material in the Old Testament oftentimes are applied in a spiritual sense in the New Testament. So you've marked 1 Corinthians. Just go there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look at verse 18, and and we'll kind of see the application of this pretty simply. He says, uh, chapter 6, verse 18, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? He says, look, what was happening in Hezekiah's day was, was happening inside the temple, inside the place where God was to be worshipped, had been filled with all this other junk and rubbish and debris. And the New Testament, where we, we learn that we're not looking for a place to worship God. That building, this if it was about a building, God certainly couldn't be here, right? I mean, in this school. 
Because we need stained glass and we need pews and we need the beautiful, fancy stuff and all. So if it was about a building, but in the New Testament, we learn the most amazing miracle, Christ in me. The worry isn't whether or not that's a spirit-filled church or that's a spirit-filled church or is Christ in the church. The question is, is Christ in you? Is Christ in me? That's the most amazing miracle that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, comes to take up and make himself at home in my heart. That's a miracle. I don't understand that. I don't know why he would. He could choose a lot of better buildings than my body to live in. But he chooses to take up residence. So as we talk about taking out of the debris, the rubbish, removing, cleansing, what is it for you this morning? What is it this New Year's Day? What is the garbage? What is the junk that you're still dealing with that you haven't cleaned out yet? You haven't dealt with it. You know, like after Christmas, does your house look like a bomb hit? I mean, ours does. We got this stuff everywhere, and there's all this rubbish that's created. And then like the week after, you know, the lights begin to come down. The tree has to get taken out. All the rubbish. Has, so it's a perfect week to talk about this, you know, all the, the trash bags and so on and so forth. And there are things right now in your life that may keep you from really worshiping God. Bitterness. Unforgiveness. Love of money, greed, covetousness. I mean, you can go on, and the Spirit of God will tell you what it is, or you already know what it is. And there's a whole list of things. I didn't tell you to turn there, but the Apostle Paul says, look, you've been called with a huge calling to serve God, to live for Him, to have a relationship with the living God. And he says, simply walk worthy of that calling. Put off the old man. He doesn't say go to, go to 16 weeks of counseling and get 17 self-help books and all those things. He says, look, folks, put them off. Make a choice to not do those things. Well, if I don't do those things, what do I do? Well, he tells you what to do. He says, putting away lying, speak the truth. Speak the truth to one another. Instead of being angry, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Forgive. Forgive one another. These are all these things. You can read that in Ephesians chapter 4. It's one of my favorite chapters. It'll tell you exactly what the rubbish is and exactly then what the, the, the implements of God are to bring in. He, he gets, lays it out. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm not going to read it today for you, but, but go there uh, on your own. Um, so we realize that as we speak about this temple, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are, it is in our bodies, in our lives that the Lord dwells. Back to Second Chronicles, they carried out the debris that they found in the temple of the Lord. They didn't just work around it. They didn't just kind of try to paint it up. They had to carry it out. And now verse 17, now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. It was New Year's Day when they started. Isn't that great? You know, there's a lot of significant things that happen on New Year's Day in the Bible was on New Year's Day that the ark came to rest and Noah looked out and saw that the earth was drying up. It was a story of new beginnings, Noah and the ark. First day of the first month. That's Genesis 8.13. It was on the first day of the first month that they, that they put the tabernacle up in Exodus chapter 40, verse 2. And it's on the first day of the first month that they began to sanctify the house of the Lord, to clean it out. Look, folks, it doesn't happen in one day. It took them 16 days. That must have been a mess. I mean, it, how, many, how many Levites, how many priests were involved with that deal? 
How many trash bags did they fill as they carried out all the debris? But they started, and folks, you have to start, you know, because it's so frustrating because we make these, these big, we set these goals, we set these, these big expectations for ourselves. Look, just get started. Just start cleaning. Just start cleaning. It may take a whole lifetime, and it will. But I like that about Hezekiah is he got them started. They just began to do it. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the 16th day of the first month, they finished. Oh, that it would only take us 16 days, right? It's kind of a, a constant steady state thing, you know, garbage in, and then we got to kick the garbage out. And, you know, the, the James said, putting aside, laying aside all filthiness and all the, the leftover um, attitudes and behaviors of your past life, receive with teachability, the word of God, which is able to save your soul. Put that, get rid, lay, us that, lay that stuff aside. It, it, only, it doesn't help you. You think it's going to help you, but it doesn't help you. Lying and all those, those habits and behaviors and lifestyles, they, they don't do you any good. They're ungodly things. And, and lay them aside and adopt into your life, into that void, what is good and what is godly. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to figure it out. You just do it. That's why I like Nikes. You just do it. What motivated? What motivated Hezekiah? Why did he do it? I mean, how did he, how did he get it done? That's what I want to know. In this time of moral decline, how did he reestablish this? Well, maybe he was sick of what he saw. Maybe he didn't want to be like his father. Maybe he saw the damage it did. Maybe he didn't want to be under the wrath of God anymore. I have seen people change. You know, you talk to somebody, they say, oh, I really love to quit smoking, you know, but I, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. And then they start dating somebody. Guess what? I quit smoking because she doesn't like it when I smoke, you know. Or they quit, they change their whole wardrobe. She doesn't like when I wear that, so I just stop wearing that. You know, well, you change because there's some kind of inner need that, that is met, a need for acceptance, a need for um, approval, whatever it might be, will change because there's a deep need. Like, that's why we do it. We do. Look, face it, folks, and, and uh, we're, we're going to finish up in just a minute here, but let's just be honest. We do stuff because it feeds a need, doesn't it? Or we wouldn't do it if it didn't feed an addiction or didn't feed some kind of internal drive or lust. We wouldn't do it. We do what feeds us. And here's the key. You've got to have a deeper desire than just the lust of your flesh, and that's a desire to please God. That's a desire to please God. That will trump all of the rest you know, there's things in life I want that, that my, my body cries out for my life. But I say, you know what? I, I'm not free to do that. My life is not my own. My life is not my own. I want to please the Lord and not myself. And so when the Lord becomes, and I can't, look, folks, we, that's something you've got to pray for. We can't teach that to you. I can't teach that to you. You can't learn that in a 13-week class. It's between you and God. Do you, you know, to delight yourself in, in in the Lord and let him give you the desires of your heart. But when that desire to please God becomes the strongest desire, you will see idols fall and rubbish leave. But when it's stronger than your desire for revenge, when it's stronger than your desire for money, when it's stronger than your desire for glory, for yourself, desire for success, desire 
to be recognized, desire to be on the cover of the Fluvanna Review. When your sole desire, it would, this is Jesus, I do only what the Lord tells me. My, this is my meat to do his will. That's the meat. That's the potatoes. And when that desire is greater than any other desire, you will find tremendous freedom when the Spirit of God does that work in your life. Amen? So, a New Year's resolution that is kept by Hezekiah, one of cleansing, one of a new beginning. Please, when you go home today, uh, at some point after you have lunch and after the kids are, are quieted down, they're down for a nap, or after you, you know, the, the, day, the things of the day are, are ended, read the rest of that chapter, chapter 29. And see the worship that takes place after the cleansing. See the newness of life that takes place after the being uh, buried with him in baptism. It's a beautiful thing. What a way to start the new year. What a way to start the new year. So we're just going to take a few minutes. I don't know. Nick, do you, are you, you have something you can come up and, and play? Uh, could be the most important day of the rest of your life, couldn't it? I look around and, you know, we know each other. I know you guys. Most of you, some of you are here because you're visiting somebody and, and um, you can't believe they brought you to this church and, and you had to be subject to hearing this. But look, the doors of God, the doors to the house of God had been closed, right? And here's what the Bible says in Revelation. It says, behold, Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And maybe he's saying that to someone here this morning. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, if anyone, if, if, if anyone will open that door, I will come in and I will dwell. I'll take up residence there in your life. I I can't explain it to you. I can't explain the joy, the peace that comes from that. I can't explain, explain the steadiness of life, the, the certainty, the confidence that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. You've got to experience it for yourself to know what I'm talking about. Amen? And you've tried to explain it, haven't you? You guys have tried to explain it to your relatives or your friends, you, and you, you just go, ah, just come and see. You, you just got to come and see what the Lord is doing. So as we just sing and 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 play up here uh, as we spend a little time. Just, just sit where you are and let what was done um, sink in. And here's what I want you to do. It just Nick is going to sing. Andy and Paul are going to accompany up there with Jacob and Corey. And uh, let this be a time of reflection. Look, the year, once you leave here, the year is off and running, right? Do you realize that uh, I forget the exact speed. The earth travels very fast, right? We travel real fast. Uh, matter of fact, it would <clears throat> take us at the, at the speed that the earth travels around the sun. At that speed, if we could travel that speed, we get to the moon in four days. Oh, no, excuse me, four hours, four hours. We travel real fast, but you know what? We're right back where we were last year. We have just made one complete circle around the sun, and we're right back where we started. And I don't want that to be the story of your spiritual life. That you just keep going round in circles 
and it could come back where you are. So while we sing, that's just with heads bowed. If the Lord spoke to your heart about some rubbish that's in your life right now, some addiction, some mindset, some thing, some focus that just needs to be carried out, just put your hand up and we'll pray for you. Just say, hey, that is me. And I boldly say, I know the Lord is talking to me right now and I know that is me. There's one hand up already. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, we just pray for for that woman with her hand up. Lord, don't know what it is. You know uh, her heart, Lord. And just pray that 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 stronghold in her life, that thing that that she's aware of, Lord, that that you would um, work in her to will and to do for your good pleasure, Lord. If there's anybody else, uh, you know, Devante uh, came up. He's, you guys make him nervous. Uh, and you make me nervous too, so. Um, and so many times our, our fears keep us from uh, doing what the Lord wants us to do and, and really, you know, making a public statement to say, you know what, look, uh, I've decided to follow Jesus. And... Um, and I know week after week, you know, I've been pastoring this church for like eight years now, which is not a whole long time, but there's, I know Sunday after Sunday, there are people that want to give their lives to the Lord, but because of fear of crowds or fear of being in front of people, they continue to sit in the chair. They never make that stand. So Nick's going to sing that one more time. And Devante sort of led the way and um, in a, with a desire to make Jesus Christ the Lord of his life. So yeah, you can, hey. If heaven rejoices, we ought to rejoice, right? So, uh, let's all stand up. Stand up and worship the Lord. Amen, amen. I know that was some heavy stuff today. And so if you found yourself uh, knowing that there is some, uh, are some deep things in your life and you want them cleaned out but you don't know how to do it, I want to invite you to call me. Talk to someone else who you know that is a spiritual person and just ask them, uh, I was convicted about this or I know there's this thing that exists and I'm not quite sure what to do about that. Uh, Can you help me? Email the office. Call me personally. uh, Come see me after service today and we'll start you on the right road helping you clean out the rubbish. Amen? Amen. Amen. Happy New Year to you guys. Go in peace.